We'll be in Revelation chapter 13 today, as well as 2 Thessalonians, Daniel chapter 7. We're beginning a new series today titled Autopsy. It is a detailed look into the life and the demise of the person we know as the Antichrist. Very few Christians living today have heard the term Antichrist, and those that have heard this term aren't familiar with the name of the Antichrist in the book of the Revelation 11 and chapter 13. The name in Revelation 13 is the beast. The beast. Daniel and the Apostle John have given us tremendous insight into the life of the Antichrist. One of mine and Kelly's favorite things to do on the weekend uh, is watch murder mysteries. Uh, we like 2020, 48 Hours, Dateline, Lester Holt. We love Lester. And we often will say to each other, because we both have warped senses of humor, do you want to watch a show tonight on how to kill someone and get away with it? And we suit, we, we DVR, we, we enjoy those murder mystery shows, but I'm amazed at how many cases are solved because of DNA left at the crime scene or the results of an autopsy. It is amazing what science can teach us. These real life mysteries are only solved because someone decided to take a closer look at the body or what they've been able to determine through science. In this series, we're going to discover the characteristics, the disease, and the events surrounding the fall and the demise of the Antichrist. First, let's talk about what most of the Christian world is in agreement on. The first is the Antichrist is a man who will rule a global empire at the end of the age. He will make a treaty of peace the first three and a half years of the tribulation and then the next three and a half years he will unleash hell. He will eventually set up his kingdom in Jerusalem and he will instigate and initiate the final battle called Armageddon. In an autopsy, the goal is to determine three things. Number one, the first goal of an autopsy is to establish identity. So over the next five or six weeks, that's going to be the first goal is to establish the identity of the Antichrist and not only the Antichrist, the person, the spirit of Antichrist that exists today in Western civilization. We're gonna establish the identity. We know it's from Satan, Lucifer. In Ezekiel, when he fell in that other dimension, there was a rebellion. Satan fell. A, a portion of the demons, they were angels. They became fallen angels, demons, as we refer to them. They joined in this rebellion and came here. And from the Garden of Eden all the way to the flood of Noah, when demons cohabitated with human beings, when the flood destroyed every person, place, or thing other than... Noah and his family, all the way to Herod trying to kill the firstborn, our Savior Jesus Christ, 
from the beginning of our existence, it has been a war against the Messianic religion and those that follow Christ. There has been an attempt to destroy the nation of Israel, Jewish people, and those of us that follow Christ. And friends, we shouldn't join in or participate in things that are anti-Christ, in things that are against Christ or in the place of Christ. Christians are supposed to be different, and we need to function as the governing body of Christ and his kingdom, as the embassy. You see, the vision here is very simple. This is God's embassy, and we long to send ambassadors out from this place as representatives of God's kingdom. And that could look a number of different ways. It can mean other churches. It could mean what we're experiencing in the Caribbean with the Dominican Republic and other countries and missionaries. But if we aren't solid on our foundation as a church, if we are acting like the world, if, if we are embracing things that are against Christ or in place of Christ, then we are setting ourselves up for demonic activity and to be deceived. So we establish identity. Next, an autopsy reveals the state of health, what was going on in a body before it perished. Finally, the cause of death. The good news is, let me hit the fast forward button for six weeks. Jesus defeats the Antichrist and the devil once and for all. So we'll talk about his death over the course of the next few weeks. I believe I'm going to prove to you some things you may not know. Number one, I believe that the Antichrist will be a Gentile. I really do. Of Islamic background, not a Jew from the tribe of Dan. Now, we don't know for sure, but we're going to draw some parallels over the course of the next few weeks, and I believe what I'm going to deliver to you is going to shock you in a major way. See, many people believe that the Antichrist will be a Jew because they don't believe Jewish people would ever follow a Gentile. The deception's going to be so strong. Every demonic force sin from the beginning of time will be the embodiment of this person called the Antichrist. They will be charismatic in speech. You will want to follow them. They will have such influence over the masses that it will break religion, it will break preference, race, everything. The deception will be very heavy. I believe that the Antichrist is going to control more of this world than we've been taught. He'll bring peace to his followers temporarily, but death and destruction to all who resist him. Daniel chapter 11 says of this Antichrist, Neither shall he re regard the God of his fathers or regard the desire of women. Now, the desire of women there in the Hebrew language simply means he has no concern or regard for relations with women. It could mean the Antichrist will be a homosexual or the Antichrist will be someone who's not governed by the flesh Many believe even of a one-world religion that's kind of intertwined between Islam and Catholicism. A person that's 
perhaps taken a vow of celibacy. But what we do know is he will not desire women. First, as we look at the end times, we must first realize that the Antichrist is a person of evil, a person of evil. The way we believe here as a church, and we have pastors and apostles and evangelists and prophets who have some differing beliefs than we do, but we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture here. We believe that Jesus is coming back according to 1 Thessalonians 4, Daniel the 70th week, that Jesus is coming back for a remnant. Now, I personally believe that not everybody that's prayed the sinner's prayer is going up in the rapture. I don't believe people are truly saved. I believe the rapture is for those truly following God, those who have his heart that can hear his voice, that know his word, those that are truly sold out, that have denied themselves, picked up the cross, and following Jesus. I believe that remnant is going up in the rapture before the difficult tribulation hits. You say, what do you mean rapture? Well, the Greek word harpezo means to seize or to snatch away. Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 being caught up in the third heaven. Revelation chapter 12, it says, And she, the woman representing Mary, and by extension Israel, gave birth to a son, a male child Christ, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. So this will be an imminent event according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Believers who died after the resurrection of Jesus are given physical bodies. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then he who are alive and remain will be caught up, harpezo, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we shall always be with the Lord. Heard a preacher say when I was young, he hopes to get some hang time. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I believe in the Bible. I believe every word of it. I do believe Jonah got swallowed by a literal whale. I do believe we're getting caught up together with him and that God's coming back. And he's not coming back as a baby in a manger, but as a man that's seeking justice on a white horse. I believe what this word teaches. The Bible also teaches us that God doesn't want his children, his true followers, to go through the tribulation. Revelation chapter 3 says, because you have kept my word and you've persevered. Somebody say persevered. See, as an evangelical Baptist that believes in the gifts of the Spirit, one of the foundational principles of Baptists and it's not a Baptist thing, it's a Bible thing, so don't get caught up in the Baptist thing, is perseverance of the saints, okay? People always say that Pentecostals, which I am a Pentecostal, believe that you can lose your salvation. And then they go over here to evangelicals, particularly Baptists, and say, Baptists believe, once saved, always saved. Baptists believe you do whatever you want and go to heaven. Neither are true. It's just a, another way of the enemy to try to distort religion. What we teach is the perseverance of the saints. 
Which what that means is if you have the real Jesus on the inside of you, that you might mess up, you might fall off course, your flesh may win occasionally, but you're going to keep marching, keep persevering, keep standing in the strength of the Spirit and God's armor on your life. And at the end of your life, you have finished your race, you have kept the faith, and you will experience God's kingdom in heaven with him. That's what we believe. And for those of us who persevere, we can hold on to the promise that Jesus is coming back for us. At this point, when the tribulation comes, the Antichrist will move in. He will be considered, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, a man of lawlessness. His time will be revered. There's a mystery there that we will look at today, this mystery of the beast. He is first and foremost evil. We'll get into the spirit of Antichrist in a few weeks. But as I said, anything that stands in opposition to God's word, to the spirit of God, to the move of God, to the house of God is Antichrist. You can see it if you just look closely at media. How any and everything that has to do with God's kingdom gets watered down or twisted or hidden from the public's view. But things that are immoral and ungodly and that make no sense are elevated on the local news and the national news on a nightly basis. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that even in Hollywood when they uh, portray famous musicians or actors from the past, they leave their faith completely out of it. The movie about Johnny Cash, I Walk the Line, is a joke of epic proportions. The man sang with Billy Graham. The man's last few albums were prophetic gospel albums. Him and June traveled the world after God saved him doing things for the Lord. But you see Hollywood make a movie, you'll never know. Look at the movie they did on Elvis, another joke. His greatest selling albums of all times are gospel music. And yes, he sinned and struggled, but you can see that they don't want you to see authentic faith or perseverance of faith in how they market things to you. So church, we've got to be discerning to be able to see how the enemy is distorting our view of everything. Even pastors are changing the doctrines of God and calling that which is evil good. And that which is good, evil. In New York City, recently, there's a golden statue up with all these horns coming out of it. It's over a courthouse there, and it is supposed to be in honor of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but it's not her. It is a golden statue erected in honor of her fight for abortion. You don't have to look too far into the, to the scriptures to see these golden idols being built to see how our nation is so deceived. To think trying to be God by snuffing out the potential lives and human beings. What is going on, friends, with our nation? He's a person of evil. Other names given to the beast, the little horn. Daniel chapter 7 says this Antichrist will come from out of nowhere. Everyone loves a good underdog story. The little horn he is referred to. 
Daniel chapter 7 speaks of four beasts coming out of the sea, representing Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. This Antichrist will be accepted by the masses. He will promise peace. He will be attractive. The Bible even speaks of his father Satan as an angel of light, something that is pleasing to look at. He'll have a worldwide following. He'll be the best that humanity has to offer. He'll be empowered by Satan, the dragon. He will be a Gentile because it says in Revelation 13, he'll be coming up out of the sea and the sea there refers to Gentile nations. This is what the word of God says. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with 10 horns and seven heads, with 10 diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its head. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's lamb. And to it, the dragon gave his power. Somebody say Satan. And his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. So we learn from that passage of scripture that this antichrist will be raised from the dead, probably on live internet. So that will be how he gains his following is he will literally, almost like Jesus, be raised from the dead. And people, even those who are of a different religion, they will see this and go, there's something to this guy. Maybe everything I've believed my whole life, maybe the scriptures aren't true, maybe now is the time for me to follow the Antichrist, the beast. He'll be a powerful ruler. Seven heads and ten horns represents his authority over ten kings of this world. He is described as having seven heads and ten horns. This is taken from Daniel chapter 2 verse 7. There have been six great world dominating empires. Egyptian, Assyrian, Babylonian, Medo-Persian, Greek, Roman. And this seventh one to come that he'll rule and reign over will be what I believe is a one world empire that brings us back to the Roman Empire of old. But it will be different. It will be different in many ways, but it will be a throwback to the Roman Empire. This deadly wound that's healed on national television, live streaming, will shake the nations. The seventh head here in this passage of Scripture, I believe, is the United European Nation. Ten horns with ten crowns represent the ten nations that will unite under this ruler. This is already shaping up in Europe as we speak. Europe is moving strongly towards a one-world government. And if they get these other countries to join with them, they'll have more wealth and industry than the United States and Russia combined. It says, this beast resembled a leopard, feet of a bear. He will appear to be resurrected from the dead. He will be known for blaspheming God, attacking God's people. And the first three and a half years of the tribulation that will come after the rapture, after the Bema seat, he will win them over. The last three and a half, they will pay for their deception. He's also referred to not only as the little horn, but the king of fierce countenance, the prince that shall 
come. Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. The desolate storm, 9, verse 27. The willful king, Daniel eleven thirty six. The man of sin or lawlessness, 2 Thessalonians 2. The son of perdition, 2 Thessalonians 2. The antichrist from 1 John and the beast. So, he is a person of evil. Number two, what are the process of events that will surround his coming? Three times in 2 Thessalonians, and we're going to move there now, we see the word reveal. This is the Greek word apocalypse. It means a complete unveiling. It describes not only the return of our Savior, but also the beast that will come on the scene and eventually be defeated by Jesus. God sent his son to redeem us. Satan sent his son to destroy us. And you have to know the difference between that which glorifies the kingdom and Jesus Christ and that which as flashy as it may look, as good as it may sound, stands in opposition to the king of glory. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 it speaks of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and this rapture, this gathering to him. He says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or trouble. Isn't that a word for us today? Not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled. Why? Because we have the victory in Jesus. We know that we win. Either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had already come. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away, the apostate, comes first. And the man of lawlessness, the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. You see, the reason that the Antichrist and the demons hate humanity is because we are a reminder of what they lost, especially when we worship Jesus Christ. You see, Satan was once a worship leader, but pride got in the way, and he longed for glory unto himself. And so when we worship God out of our free will, when we worship God during our pain, during our struggle, it irritates demons and demons that exist in other people because they lost that privilege once and for all. And we, by our own free will, see, angels don't have free will. So we are worshiping God out of our own free will. Hallelujah. It goes on to say in this text, Paul would say, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy the brightness of of his coming. The coming of the lawless one, this Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive or love the truth that they might be saved. So, 
the process of events, number two, surrounding his coming, it will be after the arpezo, the rapture, the gathering unto him. It will be after an apostasy, after there's been a shift away from a belief in God, and then after the temple is rebuilt. Number three, the limited power of his coming. As evil as the world is right now, evil is being restrained. Somebody hit your neighbor and say, it could get worse. Right now, it's being restrained according to this text in 2 Thessalonians. What is restraining this evil? Somebody say, me. You, the church of Jesus Christ, the spirit of Jesus Christ, the word of God, the fact that we exist as Christians, we are pushing that evil back. We are restraining it because we are walking, those of us that are following Christ, in our true identity. It is being restrained. The spirit of Antichrist, which I'll get into more in the weeks to come, is indeed alive and well. But the church of Jesus Christ stands not only to aggravate this demonic spirit, but to oppose Satan and all he stands for. That's what we're called to do. It's time to put your armor on. The Christian life is a race. It is labor in a field. But make no mistake about it, my friends, it's a fight. If you're a Christian and you've never had to fight for your beliefs, you better check yourself. Because if you're really serving the kingdom and you're really called of God and you're really following God, trouble will come. But God will carry you through it. And his spirit will cover you and comfort you through those difficult times. If you have no morals, according to 1 John, you're a lawless one. If you stand against a move of God or his word, you're a lawless one. You're operating in a spirit of antichrist. When the beast comes on the scene, there will be some things made clear about Satan, his power and his intentions. Our text said this in verse 8, then the lawless one will be revealed. It speaks of power, signs, and lying wonders in verse 9 and 10 in our text right here. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 beginning with verse 9. Guys, if you put that up, I want them to see that. Power, signs, and lying wonders. See, I've seen preachers who are so gifted in communication, they can literally get people to do anything and even believe anything. You talk about deception, this is gonna be that times infinity to the power and demonic ability to deceive. That's why you must know what you believe, Christian. You must know why you believe it. Sure, we all have just varying opinions on pre-trib, post-trib, whatever, those things are fine. They're fun to pray about and, and debate about. But friends, one thing we know is that Jesus is coming, that there's going to be a war, and we know which side of that war we need to be on. So why don't we quit fussing with one another and start fighting with one another? Start praying for one another. Stop build, start building each other up. Satanic power, supernatural power, sinister power. In Daniel chapter 2, and Dr. Caldwell did a magnificent job on this particular part of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. 
speaking of the head of gold, Babylon, Medo-Persia, all the way down to the feet of clay, which I believe is going to be a one-world religion, and it represents Western civilization as we now know it, which we've gone so far off track, friends, with what we are to believe as Christians, as a nation, that we will be deceived, many of us. But I'm believing today that through the power of God's word and spirit, that some of you will join this army. Some of you will join the elect. Some of you will join that group that Jesus is coming back for. Amen? I don't preach these things to make you scared. I preach them to give you hope, but I want you to be aware of the demonic times in which we live. And you need to be in your word. You need to be in prayer. You need to be speaking faith. You need to be around other people that believe in something. Amen. We've got to go reach the lost and we've got to love sinners. But friends, we need to be around people that know what they believe and why they believe it. And it's going to be religious people, friend. Y'all think I'm mean about religion. I, I know I pick on religious people and Pharisees and I love to preach on that stuff. But do you know that it will be the religious crowd? They'll be the easiest to deceive. The easiest. The easiest to because, see, a religious spirit, a religious spirit always wants to just please everybody, abide by a set of rules, fit in. Religious people want to be comfortable. Well, the kingdom is not comfortable. Authentic ministry is never comfortable. Religious people want, because of their own selfishness, they don't want to enlist in the war. They want to find something they can do and go through their religious mode with their little box around them protecting them from any evil. Man, when, when God saved you, you signed up for a fight, whether you realize it or not. You signed up for a fight. Read the New Testament. And it will be religious people that will do what the government says, will follow the Antichrist because they don't want to upset the apple cart. They don't want to take a stand for anything. Can I say sissy religious people? Is that politically correct? Because that's what it's going to be. Look at the way certain Christian preachers attacked other preachers for not closing their churches during the pandemic. Now, we closed for a few weeks. We were one of the last ones to do it and one of the first ones to reopen. We tried to be honorable. I called Pastor Friends, Baptist. I called Jensen. I said, if Dr. Jeffries is closing, I, know, I think it's okay. First Baptist Dallas. But we, we sought wisdom. But we, once we realized that this was the thing the enemy was trying to use to destroy the church, we opened up immediately. Even against the wishes of six pastors in town that told me not to. I did it anyways. We opened back up. But I was amazed at the Christian pastors that bashed Rodney Howard Brown, Dr. John MacArthur, and different ones that stood up and said, we're, we're opening back up, we're not closing. Like, how deceived can you be to bash a Christian leader for having the boldness to do something that your sissy behind wouldn't do? <laughs> See, I don't mind people having different opinions on what should have happened and what shouldn't have happened. It's America, and I have a Bible in the Spirit, and we, we, we lead our churches. But don't judge somebody else for the way they lead. You might lead a different way. You're accountable to God. They're accountable to God. That's right. That's right. But the attacks within the kingdom, 
So disappointing, friends, the way so-called Christians treat one another. Let's get to the gold of this message, the punishment he will face, number four. The punishment he will face. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of truth that they might be saved. Jesus Christ will annihilate the forces of evil once and for all. His soon coming return will overshadow the beast. We don't have to fear the beast because he's been defeated. And after those three and a half years, God and his people are going to have enough of the Antichrist, Satan, and everything else. The battle of Armageddon will ensue. The judgment of the sheep and goats and then we will come back to reign with Jesus in the millennium for a thousand years. First time he's coming for us, second time he's coming with us. And then Satan will have one last little final rebellion through Gog and Magog. And then we will reign after the great white throne judgment with Christ throughout eternity. And so you need to understand that your lost loved ones, they're not sitting there Mourning or even missing you. Your lost loved ones are in a holding pattern until they faced their own demise. But your saved loved ones, come on, somebody. Those that knew Christ, grandmama, granddaddy, they'll be raised with Him and we'll be caught up together. What a glorious return! And there's no time there. There's no time, so we're under time. We're waiting. I'm waiting to see Gladys again and grandmother and grandfather again. I'm waiting to see people I've loved and lost even in the last three years again. But good, the good news is they're not waiting on me. They're in eternity. They're in a place where no time exists. So we celebrate the fact that a mighty reunion is coming. How many of you are ready for that reunion? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. As I close here, 1 Thessalonians 4, what do we do with this information you've given us on the beast in this first message? And we'll come back to this passage of Scripture many times in the next few weeks. But the Apostle Paul said something astounding in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. He said that we are to comfort each other with these words. What does that mean? In what words? Well, we go back to verse 3 in this text. First thing it says is it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Somebody say sanctified. Set apart. Set aside for a purpose. Ready to fight for the things of God. A part of God's army. Sanctified. See, some of you have prayed a prayer, but you've never allowed God to start that process of sanctification on the inside of you where you are daily dying and being made better in the image of Christ. First, you ought to be sanctified as we look towards these end times. Then it says, avoid sexual immorality. This is all kinds of sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman. I'm not sure what some of these preachers are preaching now, but it's not just one type. God's design is a marriage between a man, 
biological male, biological female, and woman. Anything outside of that, you can call it gay, you can call it this, I, you call it what you want to call it, but anything out of that, outside of that is a sin. He said avoid it. Then it says we should all learn how to control our own bodies. All right? Nothing worse than a 450-pound person judging a gay person. I'm serious. Get control of your own flesh before you judge someone else's flesh. You should learn to control your body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans, Romans 1, the clobber passages per Andy Stanley. Y'all will get that later. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. Woo. See, Christian people that are into politics, they love to talk about gay marriage and abortion, gay marriage and abortion, gay marriage and abortion. Yeah, we're against it. We give money to fight those things. But do you know there are more sins than just those two? I deal with people in this church taking advantage of each other every week. Every week. It says it's, we fix our eyes on the kingdom of heaven and we're awaiting the return of Jesus Christ. We need to look in a mirror and make sure we're right, right with God. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. As we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. The God that gives you the Spirit to get you through these trials, you'll be rejected by God if you continue to live this life. Now, about your love for one another. Uh-oh, here we go. You're supposed to love your Christian brothers and sisters. No division, no unity, no demonic talk. We're supposed to love one another and serve together, give each other the benefit of the doubt. Jealousy, envy, bitterness, all those things, they are a form of ungodliness and they are the fruit of an antichrist spirit. And we need to purge our lives from those things today. It says, make it your ambition in verse 11 to live a quiet life and... You should mind your own business. Mind your own business. Do the work God's called you to and keep your focus on Jesus. You know, we'd all be better off if we quit trying to pick everybody else's fruit and worried about our own fruit or lack thereof. Mind your own business. Then it says this. We don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you will not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. Hallelujah. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep for the Lord himself, and I've already read this text to you, will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of an archangel 
God is coming back, friend, to execute vengeance and to stand for justice and righteousness and to defeat the beast once and for all. That is what we draw comfort from during times like we're living in, that Jesus has always kept his word, that he gave us the gift of his spirit to get us through this life, and that he's coming back. He's not going to leave us orphans. Amen? Amen. Somebody shout, we win. Hallelujah. Give God some praise today. Hallelujah. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to ask our pastors to make their way up and just begin to pray and the Spirit be ready for ministry time. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we've performed an autopsy on the beast, the first stage of that. But what if we were to perform a spiritual autopsy on you? What would we find there? Are you a child of the King? Are you a Christian? Are you born again? Have you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, come into your life and save you? Are you a part of God's embassy, the local church, or do you just float around? Are you committed to a body? I believe you should be a committed member of a body, a local church. I don't know what you're dealing with today, but if we were to perform a spiritual autopsy, would there be bitterness, anger, jealousy, sin, worldliness, ungodliness in your spirit? Or has Jesus been made the Lord of your life? with the fruit of the Spirit pouring through your veins. If you need Jesus in your life, I can't think of a better time to accept his grace today, to become a follower of Christ. Not because you're scared, but because you know God's called you to more, exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. God's called you to more, and you want to spend eternity on the winning side. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today with every head bowed and every eye closed, those watching at home, on your phone, wherever. If you need Jesus Christ in your life, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It says to be saved, you accept that truth, that love by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead you believe that you'll be saved today if you need to be saved just pray this prayer with me just say dear Lord Jesus Lord forgive me of my sins please come into my heart and save me fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory if you prayed that prayer today the Bible says if you'll not confess him in front of men he'll not confess you in front of the Father That's why we give you an opportunity to come down and tell one of our pastors, listen, I prayed to receive Christ. I'm on the winning side. You say, well, Pastor Ronnie, I did something like this when I was nine. Well, that's between you and God. But if you don't know that you're saved today, make it official. Praying a prayer is the tip of the iceberg. It involves a change of mindset and a willingness to follow Christ, to become a Christian. And maybe today is your day. You say, I want to follow Jesus. Maybe you know God's calling you here to this local embassy to help us. I've been praying and sowing for laborers for the harvest. I don't want any more hirelings. I've had enough of them in six years. I can't believe he said that. Yeah, I said it. I'll say it again just in case you didn't hear me. I don't want any more hirelings. I want people that God has sent here 
during these end times to help me with the purpose that God has placed on this house. And if you're one of them, why don't you run down this aisle and say, sign me up or come meet me at the table. Maybe you need a miracle today. Maybe you want to pray for your family members who are lost. These pastors will come into agreement with you. Would you stand on your feet? Whatever you do, I would act now and allow the Spirit to lead you. When the Spirit is on a place, there are kairos moments. And your miracle is available in this moment because the Spirit is here. So, Father God, I ask you, Lord, to sanctify us. Lord, prepare us for your coming. Lord, teach us to fight. Teach us to run. Teach us to labor. Lord, bring with us. Bring with us the right gifts and people for the war ahead. In Jesus' name, we pray over this altar call and all that will come. Amen and amen. You may come.